0: Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC, and enjoy the sermon. Beginning today and the remaining two weeks, a total of a three-week series, I'm going to be talking about generous living, creating thanksgiving in others because of our generosity. So I've titled this three-week series, Generous Living. Obviously, it's going to be focusing on the topic of stewardship. How many have ever heard that word before in church? Stewardship. So what exactly does stewardship mean? Let me define it for you. Webster's Dictionary says this, and obviously we're going to go through Scripture, but I want you to look first at, at what the American Dictionary has to say about this word stewardship. It's defined as the careful and responsible management of something entrusted into one's care let me say it again the careful and responsible management of something entrusted into one's care so here's the million dollar question what has god entrusted into your care those of you worshiping watching online what has god entrusted into your care well to help answer that question let's turn and look at the book of ecclesiastes written by king solomon the son of David. Chapter 11, we'll look at two verses, verse 1 and then hop down to verse 6. We have it on the screens for you to follow as well. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Notice there's time involved. In the morning, sow your seed, and in the evening, do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. God has entrusted into every human being three dynamics, three valuable resources that can change our lives for the better if we use them and invest them wisely. Solomon describes these in our texts, these three resources with one word. He calls it bread you ever heard that word used, applied to other things other than just something to nourish yourself with? You know, in the 70s, you know, I was born in 1956, I'm 66. I remember going through the 60s and the 70s, you know, especially I was a rock musician back then and, and some of my colleagues, some of my fellow musicians, we, we got to make some bread, we got to get some more gigs. In other words, it was talking about financial supply, money. But we're looking at something further when God speaks about what it means to be good stewards. What it means to handle this bread as Solomon defines it. See, what Solomon is really referencing on behalf of God are these three resources which are time. We're all given time. We don't know how much, but we know it's there. All of you have been given that. If it wasn't true, you wouldn't be here right now. Or you'd be using that time in another direction another place we've all been given time we all have different abilities some may be strong in technology others in in the creative arts and some in business and leadership and management doesn't matter what it is we've all been given abilities and then that third resource that everyone has whether you would define it as minimal or in excess is the aspect of finance finance All three, time, abilities, and finance, and all three belong to God because He's the one who releases them. Anyone or anything that has the ability to withhold or to release, then you know they have ownership of. So all three of these resources, they belong to God, they come from God, so they can be used for God. Did you get that? Turn your bulletins over. It says sermon notes. Write some of these things down today. It's going to change your life. So what does that mean? That makes us stewards or caretakers, as we saw in Webster's definition of His, God's resources. Did you know that every time, each time you give back to God, whether your time, your abilities, your finance, every time you give back to God what He has given to you, do you know you're planting a seed? You're all farmers. Look at the person next to you and say, you have a green thumb. What am I saying? Obviously, I'm using some humor, but I'm saying we're all bearers in possession of seed. Our time, our abilities, our finance. Scripture teaches, again, this is not someone on television bringing these claims. This is the Word of God through one of the great men of God, had his idiosyncrasies and had his moments, but he loved God, speaking on behalf of him here, that we have these three resources, this bread that we can invest for the kingdom of heaven. What he refers to also as seed that we plant. That's why the title of my message today, it's time to sow. Amen? Everybody just give a shout out. Say, it's time to sow. It's time to sow what? Sow your seed. Do you know your seed will always precede your harvest? There's a lot of people, they want the harvest without the seed. Gimme, gimme, gimme. But you can't have a harvest without a seed. Your time, everybody say time. Your abilities and your finance are the seeds God has given to you to sow. You determine your harvest. Not by the amount, but rather by the sacrifice. They are all given to us, these seeds, time, abilities, and finance, for divine purpose. And God has called you, He's called me, He's called us, to be a part of this purpose. What a blessing, what an honor that we would be included. Do you know there will never again be a creation like us, the church? When Jesus came, He came to redeem people from sin. But what did Jesus do? He completed all of the aspects of the law, all of the words of prophecy that were necessary in order to bring redemption and to authenticate Him as the Messiah so that we then could become His family. That's why we're created in the image of God. We're family. Paul says, "Joint heirs with Jesus. What does it mean to be a joint heir? It means you have the same inheritance as Jesus. You share in that inheritance. Why? Because we're family. Most people don't give an inheritance to non-family members. As a whole, primarily, family gets the inheritance. And because of Jesus, we're sons and daughters. Amen? We're the bride of Christ. We refer to each other. Paul says this in his epistle. says, brothers and sisters in the Lord... What is he referencing? Family. Everybody say family. family. And so because of that, everything God has given us from our time, abilities, and finance, no matter how much or how little we feel we have to share, it's given to us for a divine purpose because we're a part of his family and he wants us to share in his field. Your seed is your bread. And God does what when he speaks about the seed? God is instructing you, instructing me, as Solomon brings out in this, to cast your bread. That word cast in our text is also defined as send your bread. To sow, loose, or release your bread, your time, your abilities, your finance. And when Solomon brings this statement to those who are followers of the Lord, this statement is in the form of a command. He says, you cast it. Someone else can't cast it for you. We are all individually commanded to cast our bread if we want to share in His harvest. In other words, you determine the outcome of your harvest, not God. Have you ever had thoughts like this? You know, you know, invade your, your mind How how come I can't make ends meet? How come I don't have enough time in the day? I just feel like I'm stretched. I can't get things done. Or how come I'm not as gifted as this person? They're much better at doing certain things in life and even in the church than I am. How come it seems like I came up on the short end of the stick? Now, have any of you felt that? Or am I the only one that's had thoughts like that hit me and hammer me at times? God determines the amount, but we determine the increase. Where you start, listen to me, where you start doesn't have to determine and define where you end. When you look at the parable of the talents, three people, one was given one, one was given two, one was given five. The one with the five doubled his. The one with the two doubled his. The individual with one talent buried his. When the master came back to collect, remember, who owned the talents? The master, representing God. When he came back, the one with the five said, I've done well. I've been faithful with what you've given me. I doubled it. The one with the two, I've been faithful. I've been diligent. I've been a good, here's the word, stored of what you gave me. I doubled it. Then the individual with only one talent said, oh, I was fearful. I knew you were a strict master. and I was afraid I may squander or lose it, so I buried it, put it under the mattress in modern days. And he was rebuked for burying and not using and not investing his talent. He said, you could have at least put it at the bank and you would have gotten minimal interest, but you did nothing. And so the master took away the one talent from that individual and gave it to the one who had doubled his five. Stewardship, casting your bread. We determine our increase based upon what we do with what God has given us. Does that make sense? Solomon says, cast your bread. So that means the choice to cast or not to cast again. Rest with you. It rests with me. Solomon then goes on to tell us to cast our bread. What is the bread? Bread defined in the Hebrew is also your food, your fruit, or your provision. That's significant. Cast your provision. I have found you can't profit from something you don't own. How many of you have had jobs? How many of you have jobs now? If you're not the owner of that establishment, if you're not the owner of that business, then you work for a wage, but you don't enjoy the profits. You're paid an hourly wage, and at the end of the week, or maybe it's every other week, then you receive your, your, your paycheck, your wages, based upon the time you gave. At the end of the year, when that corporation may have all of these profit margins that they measure, who is the one who keeps the profit? the one who owns the business. Why? Because it's his or her property. They own it. You can't profit from what you don't own. That means what we do own, what God has given to us, how we invest it, our time, our abilities, our finance, how we use the little, whether like a mustard seed faith or the abundance, how we use and invest what we've been given determines the increase. And you know what I found? It says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, despise not the day of small beginnings. So many times we we want to start out on the top. And we live sometimes as human beings and, and our culture has influenced this and it's wrong. We live with a sense of entitlement. Where is a strong work ethic any longer? Where is that aspect of knowing, you know, Lord, I, I, I can give what I have to you. I can develop. I can, you know, take and increase, you know, my abilities in this area, that area. I can receive training. I can receive an education. You know, I remember I was a percussionist when I, when I played in the music industry. And I studied percussion from the lead percussionist from the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. I then went to Peabody Institute of Music down in Baltimore City. Then I transferred from Peabody to Towson University in the music department. What was I doing? I was enhancing, I was enlarging my abilities. When I felt the call of God then to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then I transferred from my undergraduate work prior to my doctorate work to Messiah University where Cindy and I met. And then I did a double emphasis. I did music and theology So I was preparing myself. It wasn't enough just for me to sit and do nothing with good intentions. But I said, Lord, whatever you've given me, I will develop, I will use. Here's the word I want to emphasize again. I will invest what you've entrusted into my care so that I can be the best I can be. I may not be as good as someone else, and the same is applicable for all of you. And those of you worshiping online. Don't ever measure yourself against others. Just say, Lord, I will give you my best. I will develop to the best of my ability what little or what abundance you have given. I will develop that so that I can make a difference in life. Do you know people look for others that they can see that God honestly is faithful? that God does honor His Word? Didn't Jesus say, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven? How we handle our lives, how we use what we've been entrusted with as stewards. You know, it can even be a testimony to those around us, testimony in our relationships, a testimony with our finance, a testimony with our time. They're always. Serving, helping in this area or that area. They're involved with, you know, Billy Graham just had with Franklin Graham up in Allentown. We were promoting that here. He had an outreach there that was Northeast uh, northeast emphasis. And, and so you say, man, they were working in that. They do this. They do that you know, Convoy of Hope, which is one of the organizations that we take and we support financially, when they bring in compassion intervention after natural disasters hit, especially down in Florida, their trucks were all over the region, bringing food, bringing water, bringing essential supplies to the people there who were, you know, affected and and impoverished by all that happened. Some even losing their lives, some with medical emergencies. They were all there with a team of professionals and then those that weren't professional, but they could give one aspect of they, what they had been entrusted with, their time, just to serve, unload trucks, distribute water. You see, when we honor God in every aspect of our life, He will multiply what we gave Him. It's the laws of reciprocity. You know, this, this past summer was hard on my lawn on our property, our house. And so what have I done? I've taken and planted more seed to replenish where my yard, my grass, was damaged and destroyed. So when you plant seed, it will always grow and will always multiply when you plant it in the right environment. Somebody say amen. 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 Provision comes from the Lord, and that provision is given. So we can invest our time, our abilities, our finance. This is your way of giving back to God what He's given to you. How many of you want want to just show God your appreciation by giving back to Him? Then three ways, Scripture says, that we give back to Him is giving our time back to Him. It's wonderful that you're here to worship today. Sunday should never be an option. Wherever God has called you... to to connect and be a part of that house of worship, Sunday should never be an option. That's our first fruits. What's the first day of the week? Sunday. Jesus was the first fruits of God the Father. When we give our finance to God, we give our first fruits. But that applies to our time as well. This is a tithe. This is a giving back of our time in worship to say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And where do we cast this bread then? If we're going to give back what God has given us to him. Solomon says, cast it on the waters. Look at this word waters in Ecclesiastes 11. It's in verse 1. He says, cast your bread on the waters. Now in the Hebrew, this word waters, especially in the Torah, is translated with many different words that this word waters represents and a lot of theologians chose to adapt the word waters because some of the other translations of this word are quite strong so I want to share them with you waters is also defined as dangers it also is defined as violence but here's where the words become stronger It's also defined as piss or urine. That's the Word of God. That's not me being crude. What does that tell us? There are times when it feels like the devil and life has relieved itself all over us. We feel like the enemy has just degraded us, humiliated us, put shame on us, The worst time of our lives, can it get any worse, we say at times. But yet here, if we look at this, in the midst of these difficult times, Solomon says, if you want to experience the blessing of God, then you've got to sow something. Sow your time, abilities, and finance so that the way things are don't have to remain that way. Take steps to make a difference. Look at Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2. The prophet of God uses this same word that Solomon uses in Ecclesiastes 11.1 1, in Isaiah 43 verse 2. He says, when you pass through the waters. He didn't say if you pass through the waters. That water is defined as I prefaced earlier. When, not if, when, it's going to happen. The enemy is always seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said that. Can't hide from it. He also said, In this world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. God is always ready to do his part, but we need to do ours as well. We can't live with a beggar's mindset. We have to understand who we are. We're the sons and daughters of God, our Heavenly Father. We're the bride of Christ. And when we get that, then we say, Okay, Lord, I can sow my seed, but I can't make it prosper. That's up to you. But I will trust you. I will, here's the million-dollar word, obey you and do what you've called me to do, even with the little that I have to offer. If I'm faithful, you've said you will bless it. It's like that old movie, The Field of Dreams. If you build it, He will come, right? Well, if you sow the seed, it will grow. That's the Word of God. He is a God of increase. Amen? When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, Isaiah 43, 2. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you, Have you ever been in water so high it's up to just under your chin, above your neck? Well, God is promising you'll pass through the waters. He'll be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, we saw that with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three Hebrews thrown into the fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down to the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar. And God supernaturally intervened. You'll walk through the fire you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. You see, the waters that are referenced here in these two portions of Scripture are the hard times we all face in life. Life happens. Life happens. But how we handle life is where the pivot comes, either for negativity or positivity, either for evil or for good, either for allowing the enemy to continue to mound His his ploys and His schemes against us, or we turn to the Lord and we see how He can bring beauty from our ashes. He is a God that wants to bless us. You've got to believe that. Blessing comes from the Lord. Curses come from the devil. Here, here's a little gem for you all. We as believers should never say good luck. Do you know the foundation of where the word luck comes from? Lucifer. Luck is Lucifer's intervention. Blessing is God's. And the devil never brings good luck. Everything from his kingdom is divisive. It brings pain, suffering, sorrow. Think of the times you've made decisions in life, the times I've done as well, where we chose contrary to what God wanted and then the rippling effect, the outcome. It's like we wish we could live our lives like it's a piece of software with Microsoft. We can hit the undo button, right? How many of you have ever used the undo yeah. command? Sometimes we want to do the same thing. We we just want to... Let's just erase it all. Well that, that doesn't happen. But that's why we have scriptures that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul, Romans eight twenty-eight. All things, everybody say all things. All things work together for good to those who love God. Do you love God? How many love God? Wave me down. Come on. Then that means even your mistakes, if you genuinely repent and turn from them. All things. He will somehow, some way, he will even bring good. From the tragedy, the mistakes, or the failures that happen. Because that's just who He is. He's a good God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. The times when it's difficult to give back to God is when we're in the midst of the waters. Lord, I I don't have any joy, any praise, any thanksgiving to give. Do you know what I'm going through? He goes, well... Yes, I I honestly do, because I'm all places, I'm omnipresent. I see there's not even one sparrow that falls from the sky that I'm not aware of. And I lost a son 2,000 years ago on a cross on a hill called Calvary. And even though I knew I would raise him, resurrect him from the dead, my heart was still rent and seeing him suffer and brutalized, humiliated, and shamed. And because my love he embraced also as his love, he willingly became sin, something he had never known, became your sin, my sin. So that in the end, my offspring, men and women, if they embrace me, they can become my righteousness because of Jesus. That's powerful. He does understand where you're at, and even when we feel like I just have one seed of thanksgiving, it's all God. I've only got one hour this month. I've only got one dollar. He's saying, "Sow your seed. Sow your seed. In the midst of the hard times, the waters. Cast that bread. Cast that seed." Cast your time, abilities, and your finance into my care. Trust me, even with the little. And when you put little in my hands, little is transformed into much. Amen? Amen. Isn't that what happened with the little boy with the loaves and fishes? Just a few loaves and fishes with thousands of people. But once they were placed in the hands of Jesus, you know, the natural mind would say, what good is this going to do? In fact, he he had approached, Scripture brings this out, he had approached the disciples. That's how Peter said, well, the, it was either Peter or Andrew who said, well, there's a little boy that has some loaves and fishes. In other words, he had already offered them to help. This little boy, childlike faith. You know, but what good is that going to do? I'm paraphrasing, obviously. That's not enough for this multitude. And what did Jesus say? Bring them to me. And when... The loaves and fishes were placed in God's hands, the hands of Jesus. Little became much. The miracle of multiplication. God can take your little and multiply. it, Because that's just who He is. And it's what He's promised in His Word. Anyone can honor God when it's easy, but it takes commitment to honor Him when you're in the midst of the waters. Look at Elijah. Remember when he had spoke a famine over the land on behalf of God. And then when the brook where he was led by the Spirit of the Lord to abide dried up because of lack of rain, then he had to find a new place for provision. And God moved him from the brook of Zarephath and took him to the home of a poor widow who had a son now why wouldn't god take him to the household of a wealthy person but god took him from that brook where he received water and refreshment hydration and then the ravens would come scavengers and would feed him then from there he's taken to the home of this widow See, what God was really doing was orchestrating this widow's miracle. When the prophet knocked on the door, he went in. She knew he was the prophet Elijah. Scripture says when you bless a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. And so he says, make me something to eat. She responds, I, I only have a little oil and a little meal, flour. Left, enough to make one small cake for my son and law we're going to eat that cake and then die. I mean, talk about feeling guilty, right? But it wasn't about Elijah. It was about this woman. And that's what people need to get through their mind. That when God takes and institutes certain commands regarding being a good stored, generous living, it's not about People taking advantage, even people feeling like God is taking advantage. It's about orchestrating a miracle that will bring the provision that maybe some of us for years have been crying out for. So Solomon says, make, make the cake. They were probably looking, look at this prophet. How selfish is he? Speaking of the widow and, and her son. He's eating our last meal. I told him we were going to make it, eat it, and die. He doesn't care now we're going to die. He's going to eat this leaf here and go to another house and eat their cake, let them die, and probably go from house to house. That's what the enemy tries to instill within the thought processes, that it's about people taking advantage. And let me clarify. There have been individuals who take advantage, absolutely. But that doesn't mean we ignore the command of God. Do you know Scripture records that after she honored God and fed the prophet of God, for the remainder of that famine, her oil and her meal never ran out. That means when it was time for she and her son and Elijah to eat again, she probably couldn't understand why Elijah was still tarrying. Why are you still here? That was the last of my oil, the last of my meal. Really, Elijah said, why don't you check your canisters? More oil, more meal, more flour. And for the remainder of that famine, because she honored God with just a little. God multiplied, took what was little and gave it the miracle of abundance. It's astounding how once the rain came, once Elijah went and he faced the prophets of baal and asherah which by the way check your bibles and read what the prophet of baal the idols the false religion of baal and asherah what they represented do you know you'll find in scripture that asherah represented a sexual transgender lifestyle read your bibles So until that famine was over, that widow and her son were blessed all because they were good stewards of the seed God had entrusted to them. And finally, when there was no seed left, what would have happened if that woman never obeyed the command of Elijah and made that cake? Then she would have eaten that cake and died. But because she gave what she had, God didn't tell her to go out and Get a loan from an area lending institution and go back to the grocery store and make this abundant feast? He said, just give what you have right now. And God orchestrated and preserved her life. You know what's an astounding thing? After all of that had happened, this widow's son dies and she summons Elijah. And because she had relationship with Elijah, when she summoned Elijah, Elijah came back. And guess what happened? The son who had died was raised back to life. Look at the benefits she encountered because she sowed her seed. Praise the Lord. God says, cast your bread on the waters. And what will be the outcome? My closing point, you will find it. How many of you have ever gone to the beach and you have like a rubber ball? And there you're standing on the ocean edge there on the beach, water is hitting your toes, and then you take this rubber ball and you throw it out there. What happens eventually? It comes back. So what do you do? You pick it up, and you throw it again further. And then eventually, what happens again? It comes back. It keeps on returning. And honestly, when we sow our seed, when God says, if we sow our seed, Right? If we're faithful, we cast our bread on the waters, you'll find it. God will continually bring the seed you sow back to you, but greater than when you sowed it. That's the word of the Lord. So when you see this, he says, cast your bread upon the waters for you will. It's absolute. Not Well, you might find it. Hopefully, good luck, right? We're not saying that, are we? You will find it. It's absolute. That word find in the Hebrew means you'll secure it. You'll acquire, encounter, or be in possession of again. How many of you feel like the devil has stolen from you certain things and you're crying out, Lord, I want to be in possession of that again. I want to find that again, that joy, that peace. Lord, just being used of you knowing that I'm valuable in your kingdom, financially, not living on the edge or in poverty any longer, how can I find that again? Sow your seed. Sow your seed. Your seed, honestly, think about it, is your investment. Look at what Jesus says in Luke 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you sow or the same seed that you sow it will be measured back to you what's this tell us very simple you can't outgive god again the widow giving all she had could not give god and it saved her life and the life of her son let me say it this way no seed equals No harvest. You feel like there's a harvest missing in your life. Then evaluate your life as a steward. Evaluate your stewardship. Stewardship of your time, your abilities, and your finance. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 11.6, In the morning sow your seed. In other words, you've got to embrace this mindset of sowing and sowing and sowing. He says, In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper. Either this or that, or whether both alike, will be good. In other words, it will prosper, but one will prosper in one moment, one at another. You don't know how, how, how the harvest is going to work itself out, how the return is going to display itself. But be faithful. Give to God what He requires. Our first fruits, our time, gathering together in worship, our abilities, all of our giftings, yes, they can be useful in earning an income and having a career or a vocation in the world we live in, and that's good. And we can earn an honest wage. Amen. But also know that your giftings and abilities, God wants you to use them for His glory. In the local church, wherever God has called you. And other parachurch ministries when there are special outreach programs. Give your time, give your abilities. And then, of course, we honor him with our finance. Scripture is very clear our first fruits in finance are our tithes 10% of our gross income. People have said, well, tithing's under the Old Testament, not the New Testament. Well, I begged a different because Jesus said something different. When he was approached about Peter paying his taxes, one of the religious leaders that was trying to confront and ensnare Jesus, he says, is it lawful to pay taxes? Jesus said, and that's the only question that was asked. Is it lawful for us, should we pay our taxes to Caesar? That's the only question that was asked. Jesus said, whose inscription image is on the face of this coin they said Caesar Then Jesus responded "Then give to Caesar what's due Caesar he could have stopped there that was the only question that was asked is it lawful to pay our taxes but he didn't stop there he said give to Caesar what's due Caesar and give to God what God requires it's our time When we honor God with our first fruits, when we honor Him as good stewards, with our time, our abilities, and our finance, He will honor us in return. Listen to me. Don't allow your circumstances to dictate your giving. Let your giving dictate your circumstances. That's powerful. Look at that. Write that down. How many of you here have ever wished, oh, If I only had more time in the day. If I only had more giftings and talents and abilities. If I only had enough money to be able to pay my bills. If only. How many of you have ever wished for things like that? Well, if that is in your heart, then my word to you is this. It's time to sow. It's time to sow. Whether big or small, honor God with the seed He has given you. Whether one talent, two talents, or five. Honor him with what he has placed within your hand. To do anything less means you don't really believe the promise of God. That's what disobedience is. Disobedience is unbelief. If we really believe, we'll do it. But many times, no, I can't afford to give my time. I'm busy with sports, I'm busy with my job, I'm busy with my family chores around the house, I'm busy with other obligations, I I don't have enough time in the week, in the month. Do you know the average attendance for churches now is 1.5 times a month? How do you go half a time to church? Why? Because people aren't being good stewards of the time God has given them. When you give your time, it's an opportunity to give your abilities when you give your time and abilities, then it's also an opportunity to give your finance. Amen? Amen? Whether big or small, again, honor God with the seed He has given you. The first step towards honoring God is knowing Him as your personal Lord and Savior. You've got to give your life to Him before you can give your time, talent, and finance. Your bread. Once you give your life to Him, then just as you prayed a prayer of repentance, a prayer of commitment, a prayer of faith, then you pray a prayer of obedience. Lord, now I give you my time, my abilities, my finance. Lord, I, I desire... To honor you in every area of my life. Stewardship. Generous living. Father, I thank you that I have this opportunity now to sow my seed for your kingdom. Do you know when we sow our seed in all those areas, when we give that bread? That is a fulfillment. We are honoring, we are making possible what Jesus prayed in the lord's prayer when he said thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven that's how god's kingdom is realized on earth through us the church people christians believers and when we honor him we are establishing his kingdom to do any less means we are placing our kingdom above his and jesus said in matthew 6:33 hey if you'll seek first my kingdom, you still have a kingdom, I get it. But Jesus says, if you'll seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, then all these other things you're dealing with will be added to you. What is that? Your harvest. How many of you want a good harvest in your life? You want to see your time maximized. You want to see your giftings and abilities enlarged and perfected and, and, and made better. How many of you want to see your finance blessed by the hand of God putting His hand on what you have worked hard for and to see His faithfulness in bringing even greater opportunity in that area of your life. How many desire that? Let's all stand. Everyone stand. Father, I thank you for this word. This word is necessary. This word is freedom. This word is life. This word is liberating. I pray now, Father, that your Holy Spirit would make this rhema for everyone in this auditorium and everyone who is worshiping and watching online. Lord, this will set people free and enlarge your kingdom at the same time if they will embrace this principle of stewardship. Generous living. I pray against all doubt and unbelief, I pray against a lack of faith and in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for blowing the wind of your spirit on the embers of the fire within them and fanning to flame a new faith to be obedient, to be good stewards and not to live for themselves but to live for you and knowing that as we keep you first, Lord God, you will bless everything we set our hand to do you've promised it will prosper so i thank you lord pray if there's anyone in this auditorium anyone watching online that has never committed their life to your son jesus christ then that's the first thing they need to commit and i pray that they'll pray this prayer with me right now this prayer of salvation this prayer of commitment prayer of committing their lives to jesus like to ask everyone in this auditorium to pray this out loud repeat after me so that those especially worshiping online can hear this affirmation of faith and there may be someone in this auditorium that has never prayed this prayer well today will be your prayer of salvation as well but everyone nice and loud repeat after me those of you watching online repeat this as we all pray together everyone right now say dear god, dear god I, know sinner, I know i'm a sinner and i need jesus in my life i want to commit my life into your hands. I sow my life as my seed. Everything else that belongs to me, my time, my abilities, my finance, I give to you as well. It's time for change. It's time to sow. And I say yes. In Jesus' name. And everybody responded. Come on. Amen. Give God a big praise. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.